0: Hello, and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, the podcast about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't. I'm Marie, and sitting across from me is my podcast, Becky. She's not happy. Why are you not looking happy?
1: Oh, um, well, I have two fears that I could answer that with.
0: If only I asked you and one of them. What is... are you fearing today? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is this are you...
1: one right here? Here she is okay harp say hi
0: hi harp
1: <laughs> so one of my fears is related to her my first tiny fear is that I have a back slash hip injury that is just lingering and every time I sit for too long it's it's horrible I can't even walk for a few minutes after I stand up that's number one especially when I'm about to get on a plane and I can't stand up the entire flight like um and I don't know how to fix this in um, what do you
0: think you did
1: I don't know. It's, Curtis thinks it's some kind of nerve or something muscle thing that I did. It's that thing that's where you're sciatic or something. I think it's called, which is why I'm leaning and I'm in pain anyway. So that's real fun. And I, I'll do yoga and it'll help. And then I'll get in the hot tub. It'll help. And I'll do yoga and it'll help. And then all of a sudden it's
0: like, nope, right? because you're heating it. And then that whatever is out of place is kind of like relaxing but then your body goes back to seizing up to protect that's your muscles and everything do that. That's why they get tight. They're protecting something that's not right.
1: Yeah. Well, um, But my, my fear that I'm going to talk about is I fear that I'm way too emotionally attached to my cat. <laughs> we're going to be gone for two and a half weeks to go to the UK for my graduation and everything. And like, we're so focused on her. It's like, I just want her to be happy all the time. And, I love how spoiled she is. Like, it makes me so happy for her to be spoiled. Like, it's ridiculous. Like she gets up on the counters, I give zero fucks. I don't care, it's it's adorable. And so if it's adorable, she does it, Then I let her do it. It's probably bad for everybody, but I don't fucking care. And then we travel back and forth and we're going to Seattle and everything. It's like, gotta figure out how to get her back and forth. We're like bending our lives around this cat because she does not travel well in the car which is unfortunate because our other cats before did they didn't care they would just sleep or hang out she hates it and so it's like oh
0: just give her like a um, dream or something
1: we've tried we've tried you know cat cbd little tinctures and stuff and um, we've given her a couple of different things the only thing that that's worked is if we really like overdose her on the cbd (laughs) i mean like this cat has a constitution of like a sumo wrestler it's remarkable and like the dosage throw that out the window you just keep giving it to her giving it to her giving it to her and we've driven her all over the place we've driven her well i mean we flew her to live with us at cambridge but i don't want to fly her because it was traumatizing to her and so therefore it was traumatizing to me
0: what happened did she just whine the whole time
1: well, because when you fly internationally, they don't quarantine them anymore, but you have to bring all the papers and everything to prove that she's fine and she has to be chipped. And so they make sure that she's healthy. But you check her as, as luggage and they have a special compartment for her, but she can't have litter or water or anything in the cage oh, with that's her. that's awful, yeah. So when we got her the last day when COVID shut down Cambridge and we came back, we were the last flight into the US that allowed pets because they stopped flying the big giant planes. And when we went to get her from the airport, you know, cargo thing was a couple miles from DFW. um, We finally got her out of the cage and she was soaked in urine. And I was just like, that traumatizes cats. Cats hate that. You know, they just want to be fastidious. Mm -hmm. And so I just held her. I mean, I just held her the whole time and I'm soaked. I didn't care. I just held her the whole time we drove back home. And um, so I just don't want to go through that again. And, I spend so much time thinking about the emotional well-being of this cat. It's like, it's, I don't know, it's probably unhealthy, but I don't fucking care. So I, I don't know if I fear it or not, but.
0: Do you uh, I, uh, You have someone watching her this time while you're going out of town?
1: Yeah, friend of ours is going to stay here,
0: which is nice. So I think once you take on a pet, you do bear the responsibility of making sure that They're taken care of. James and I used to board our cats at this place called the Best Little Cat House. And they have these giant cat rooms with trees. It's like, to me, it would be like Disneyland for cats. But of course, the cats all hate it. They're all mortified and just like hiding. They hide behind the tree. Yeah, so I was so disappointed because we spent all this money to board them at this place and they have cameras so you can like check in on your cats. And my cats were like in some... Pirates of the Caribbean themed room and they like hid behind us a, a sunken boat like the entire...
1: <laughs> oh. oh that's the thing I don't want harps to be traumatized like that right. that would traumatize me
0: they literally hid for three days behind this boat
1: oh. someone I know recommended getting a pet cam and then you could talk to your cat and play with her and stuff and I, I did that exactly once and I felt horrible it's like such an asshole because we were in Spain and i wanted to check in on harps. So I start talking to her and she comes sprinting into the room, looking around for me. And I was like, I'm not here to hold her because she's looking for me. You know, I was like, I'm not using this thing again. I cannot do this again. It made me feel so bad that she was, she thought that we were there and we weren't there. Which I know I'm anthropomorphizing. I get it, but I don't fucking care because that's my cat and I love her. So we have our friend coming, but I still just, it's funny when you have a guy sit, your cat's different from when you have a a girl because guys don't send pictures (laughs) because i've had a couple different guys babysit our cat before girls will send pictures and videos constantly like here she is sleeping here she is eating you know guys don't do that so i'm like i have to be like kelly please just send me some pictures so i know she's
0: okay so it doesn't even matter how good you take care of somebody's pets if you send proof of life photos (laughs) they'll (laughs) be They'll be very happy
1: <laughs> life. That's exactly what it is. So anyway, that's my, that's my little, my stupid little fear is I fear for whether or not Harper's happy. I want to keep her happy all the time. And
0: I think I'm um, going to allay your fear and say that Harper is a very happy cat. And you know how I've, I brought up before the scale of happiness that people only have a propensity for a certain amount of happiness, no matter what happens to them. Cats are the same way. So whatever level of happiness Harper can achieve, she has achieved it. <laughs> With me. <laughs> so you can't make her any happier. Thank you. Yes. I hope so. That's
1: my goal in life is to make sure my cat is happy. Um, all right. So that's it. What are you fearing today?
0: Well, I'm fearing something interesting, which is I'm fearing that we have a misconception um, about People that become involved in domestic violence. And okay. that, that misconception is that only weak people or people that, you know, are not confident or people that don't have a certain inner strength become domestic violence victims. And I've thought about this in the past because I have some family members who have been in domestic violence situations and I was shocked because they have really strong personalities and you would just be like, I can't believe this person would even allow this, you know? And so it's just a crazy misconception. And I think it leads to people living in silence about domestic violence. And I saw this documentary. It was one of those things where I didn't know what I wanted to watch, but I just, I had a free moment and I'm like, I'm just going to watch something. And I turned it on Netflix and this, this untold series, which I'd never heard of before was advertising a crime documentary about this woman named Christy Martin. I'd never heard of her before, but she was a female boxer. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Like, why don't I watch that? And I was just blown away by the story. And then I mentioned to you that you ought to watch it. Uh, Yeah, I did. Were you also just taken in immediately by it?
1: Yes, yes. And I have a lot of opinions about
0: (laughs) that entire tale.
1: The reason I pause is I'm like, I'm not sure taking in was the word. I was um, repulsed and horrified from the first split second they showed the guy in jail. And he started speaking. I wanted to murder him. He was one of the grossest, most disgusting, worst humans I've ever seen in my life. Like, he might be the worst person I've ever seen. So.
0: Well, so I'll backtrack and tell you a little bit about the story. Um, I grew up, I was a bit of a tomboy and I'm I'm fascinated by women who lift weights and do things that men do and do it equally well. And I just, I, I really love it when women kick ass in sports. I don't know. There's just something about it that that I like quite a bit. And so in the beginning, there's this woman, her name was Christy Salter, and she was in her 20s in college. And I guess in West Virginia, where she lives, they have some strongman competition, but they don't call it strongman and woman for whatever reason, but women can also participate. And one of the events was boxing. And Christy thought her friends egged her on to do a boxing match. And this is like the first boxing match she ever did. She'd never even stepped in a ring before. And she just immediately ran out from the corner and knocked the other woman out. And it was pretty jaw-dropping. It was pretty awe-inspiring. And then she just kind of got the bug for boxing. And she tracked down who she thought was the best boxing coach in the area. And she wanted to have him coach her. And the way the story goes, she went with her mother and her Pomeranian to see if he would take her on as a client and when he heard about it he says that he had worked it out that he would have her spar with another man and that guy would break her ribs to dishearten her and get her to quit but instead when he she, didn't want to take on no woman no he didn't he didn't want to take on no woman and this guy is so gross he's like a he's pot. disgusting A pot-bellied comb-over guy, and it's like-
1: He has no teeth. I'm like, do they not give dental care in prison? (laughs) Give him some fucking teeth. Oh,
0: When he was younger, too, he had that that hairstyle of like a 15th century monk. That's what he looked like. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. So he puts her in to spar with this uh, lightweight guy, and the guy ends up punching her in the face, and she drops her hands and puts her chin up and is like, I can take more. And everybody was like shocked. And so he was like, all right, maybe this girl's got something. And basically she just starts really, really becoming a draw at lots of events, local events and state events. And she's she's just known for jumping out there like Mike Tyson and just dropping people, other women. Well, one thing, one thing about it, when she was doing the smaller venues, it was like people didn't really wanna see women fighting. And so they wouldn't pay the women. So in order to get paid, her purse was whatever people bought tickets. But eventually people started coming to see her because she was so interesting as a fighter, which I think says a lot, right? I mean, yeah, Yeah. she was just, she was a savant at boxing. Some people just, they're just amazing at something. You don't know why, but she was. So once she starts to really gain popularity she gets the attention of Don King were they together before Don King or was it after
1: I can't remember either
0: one yeah. point she wins a really big fight and when she is hugging her coach she plants a kiss on him and from that point on they become a couple this is from bloody elbow like an MMA fighting site it mm-hmm. says christy was 22 years old when she met her future husband jim martin who was then 47 he became her coach and a year later her husband so that's pretty pretty fast that they entered into a relationship
1: especially since she was gay
0: right right so the big reveal uh, she's actually gay she's she's a lesbian but she's closeted and she does mention that a lot of her the anger behind her boxing is that she feels she has to push back her identity in high school. She had a romance with um, another girl on the basketball team and her family was pretty much like, no way, you know, this is not, not cool. So when she gets together with Don King, Don King is now promoting her in Las Vegas venues and she is a big draw. In fact, Mike Tyson sees her fighting and becomes a big fan. And he makes her the undercard, which is a really big deal, on a televised fight.
1: And the first woman on a pay-per-view fight ever.
0: And and it was interesting because people were upset about it. They did not feel that women should be fighting. And so they went all out to pull in like the best female fighter they could find. This chick from Ireland was pretty good and when they both walked out the crowd was like booing them and saying sexist and and really gross things to them
1: and back then and i don't know if they still do it maybe they do the ring girl who would walk around with the sign saying what round it was was almost naked right she was she was shockingly almost naked just walking around like that was the normal thing and maybe it still is in the boxing world i don't know but that was that was the view you know women were supposed to do this not that
0: Right. But in typical fashion, Christy just won over the crowd. Like, it reminded me almost of that Rocky, I don't know which Rocky it was, the one where they fight until they knock each other both out, Apollo Creed and and Rocky. They literally fight and knock each other out at the same time, but that's kind You're of- You're
1: kidding, it, that really? I, yeah. never, I never saw that, no.
0: But it reminded me of that because this was the first real opponent that Christy had, and they pounded each other. Like, they went the whole way. In fact, at one point, Christy's nose was just squirting blood everywhere. I mean, it was it was a brutal. really brutal fight. But the by the end of it, the crowd was chanting her name. And then all these talk shows were asking for her to be on their talk shows. And she, she was put on the, the cover of Sports Illustrated. Um, she was, like, a, a big deal. She was, like, probably the most famous female athlete in the country at this particular time. I mean, Sports Illustrated is a pretty big, guys don't cover yeah. a Sports Illustrated. Right. Um, and now she's just fighting all the time, knocking people out, doing well. She's making tons of money. Tons of money. So now her and her old husband. Yeah. Have like a mansion, it's just like a typical boxing story. The only thing is part of her allure or popularity is that unlike the other female boxers who come off, and this isn't me, this is what people are saying because I don't buy into this whole idea that you're manly because you have a short haircut or you don't wear dresses. But in the documentary and in other articles that I've read, a lot of the women in boxing were more of tomboys or a little more what people- They were more
1: masculine.
0: Masculine, yeah. They were,
1: I mean, that's not a judgment. It's not a judgment at all. It's not saying it's good or bad. It's just they were more masculine. Right. And Christy had this image, even though she had horrible, insulting, violent rhetoric against the other boxers, including homophobic stuff. Tons of homophobic um,
0: stuff. That was her go-to.
1: She was considered more feminine and pretty. And and she would do these interviews. Shocking. Dudes would just tell her she's pretty in the interview. Do you mind? Is it going to bother you if I tell you they think you're hot or something like that? Oh
0: Well, you know, there's a whole fetish out there of, the, of guys that want to wrestle or box or play sports against women that are good at it just so they can beat them and like shame them well, it's like a sexual okay. fetish for some people. Uh-huh. But I do think that a lot of people had a crush on her and they liked this combination of her being like a powerful woman and also being feminine. And she really, I mean, if at some point the lesbian community was like, sorry, you're permanently banned, (laughs) I would would totally get it because she was really, really homophobic and really hurtful in press conferences and stuff. Which the fact that she was also a lesbian, it's probably just burns a lot of people up. But anyway, Now that she's kind of reached the pinnacle of her career, it's like they need to do things that are more extreme. And her husband, Jim, clearly doesn't give a shit about her at all. He's just exploiting her for the money. And he sees an opportunity to pit her in a fight against a woman that's outside of her weight class. And it's pretty dangerous, actually. And it kind of, you know, I watched another Untold that we can talk about another time, the Malice at the Palace, which was really great. And they'd make the point that someone like Ron Artez punching a five foot six guy that's not as strong as him is dangerous, right? He could kill him. So this fight was going to be dangerous for her. And the woman that she was fighting against was pretty like confident that she was going to win too. Her name was Lisa. Lisa was like, I'm so much bigger than her. I think Lisa was like six foot tall and like way, way heavier that christy this just shows how smart she was she wasn't just like mike tyson in in that way she knew she was going to have to do something different for that match so she trained and studied all these boxers from the 30s and 40s that did more of a technical style of boxing and so when she got in the ring with lisa lisa hollywell i think was her name she didn't charge at her she didn't try to knock her out she started doing a chess match and it threw it was
1: that thing If you're into boxing, you can appreciate, even if you're not, the graceful parts of the jab, jab, duck, you know, whatever they call that thing, you know, that stuff is really interesting to watch where she's learned that technique from watching all the boxers from
0: the past. And the way she executed it was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she ended up winning that match. Um, and then based off of that, they also put her against Muhammad Ali's daughter and
1: who was much taller and much heavier
0: yeah she was and she was like in her 20s and at this point christy was like pushing 40 that didn't go so well for her
1: in the middle of that match that's when you know her husband gives two flying fucks about her because ali landed a punch to the side of christy's head and christy was immediately dizzy and immediately off kilter for that entire rest of that fight she had a concussion from that first punch. yeah and that first punch, and she went to the corner, and the, the the people in her corner should have called that fight off, because she couldn't even see straight, and Ali could have, could have killed her in that fight, could have killed her, and her husband was in the corner pushing her to go on, if he wow. cared about her.
0: Not just that, which is, as her coach, he should have called it, but as she put it, they were having marital troubles, and she was trying to get away from him. And she felt that he wanted to see her have to bend the knee and be embarrassed and be defeated rather than protect her life. That was the impression that was left.
1: Yeah. He's a piece of garbage.
0: Absolutely. a Piece of garbage. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so then from that point, it starts to get really weird. Like she wants to get out of the marriage. She Like Tina Turner, she was going to like, just say, Hey, take all the money. I don't care. Like she just wanted to go. That always breaks my heart about the Tina Turner story that she just gave Ike everything just to get out of it. And she's another woman that seems from her music and everything else to just be a really powerful woman, not somebody that you'd go, well, she's going to be a domestic violence victim.
1: Well, here's part of the irony is part of what makes men like that attracted to them is what makes them want to tear them down is how powerful they are makes him need to assert his control over her. And it It's a, it's a really ugly dynamic when a man who is already insecure has a powerful woman in his life that he needs to tear down Yeah, and and, um, it can turn into something really ugly.
0: Yeah. I think we should talk about that more, but the way this kind of goes is he's losing control of her. So he introduces cocaine into their relationship.
1: Which is always a good turn a relationship takes. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) nothing but good stuff happens after that.
0: So a couple of pro tips. If your relationship is going bad, the top like four things you should do is have a baby, get married, (laughs) develop a joint drug addiction. Are there any, what am I leaving off?
1: (laughs) All those things I've heard save marriages. They just do. They do. do. They do. Yeah.
0: I know there's a fourth one, I'm sure buying a motorcycle. I think that's another (laughs) one. That's what it was buying a motorcycle those four things if your marriage is struggling give it a shot um so I think at this point too Christy is like telling him look I don't want to be married to you anymore I'm a lesbian I want to be with women and this isn't working out he installs cameras all over the house
1: this is part of where he turns into a monster of monsters where he installs video cameras all over the house to catch her snorting coke and doing the drugs and he has this weird sexual fetish that he videos her being a part of as he's gathering evidence to to keep her yoked to him it is so oh just he's one of the worst people I've ever seen he just is one of the worst people
0: yeah so he wants her to put on a strap-on I I mean I'm not even he
1: wants her walking around the house in a strap-on that way the hidden cameras video it Right. And they've got the evidence of it that he's gathering to
0: use against her. Yes. but he, He's acting like to her that this is a big turn on to him. Yep. Maybe it was a big turn on to him.
1: Of course it was. <laughs> of course it was, is what I'm saying. He yeah. was getting off on all aspects of, 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 you know, demanding she do that
0: and was gathering evidence to use against her later. Like, I totally get sometimes in a relationship there might be little things in that relationship that it's not your favorite thing, but you're okay, you sure, know? Sure. But I also think you got to draw some boundaries. Like, if you really don't like something, like, you should just say, I'm not, not into this. This is actually doing the opposite. It's like turning me off, you know? Yeah. Like, I saw one of those uh, ID stories type of thing. It was another one of those, a husband kills his wife and all that. But in- in the trial transcripts for their um, divorce hearings. There was this big conversation about how he wanted her to like sit on him during sex and take a dump on him.
1: Uh, so she said, she said, no, thank you.
0: Oh no, <laughs> I'm, I'm no she did. Oh, she, she did it? Yeah, I mean, I thought about it and I was like, well, okay, I mean. He wants to be dumped and peed on, right? I wouldn't want the opposite, but I mean, like it's gross all around, but I'm just saying- I, I know people do that. I didn't- People make weird compromises in relationships. Like that's in the grant. That's a big deal, right? That's kind of a deal breaker. It's a big deal.
1: That's a big deal. that I'm not saying you have to be in sync sexually on every last thing, but that is a bridge too far- or that's a bridge too far now if she said yes please the first time he mentioned it yeah but don't talk somebody into it or don't let yourself be talked into something like that yeah well
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think i think we're in agreement on that one i think so but anyway so there was another moment where she was so fed up with him and he was trying to tell her like i've made you who you are you wouldn't be anything without me oh if
1: he said that one more time
0: right he, he was responsible for her
1: yeah oh oh fuck you
0: but one time well, there was also
1: part of it where she was trying to get a different coach
0: because right. he go had ahead.
1: taken her as far as she could go with him in terms of coaching boxing techniques and all that and so there was another coach she really wanted to work with and he refused to let it happen and he was like i can't believe she would disrespect me like that or whatever you know Oh God, it's so, obviously we're looking on the outside, looking in, but once you know the signs and you can just point to red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, you know, this man is a controlling monster. Mm-hmm.
0: And he, he has no remorse at all.
1: For He has zero remorse. He is still in prison for what happens, acting like, well, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I I had to do it. She was going to leave me. He's still kind of proud of it. He defends what he did to her. He just, monster. monster.
0: Let's get to what he did to her. Aside from physically and emotionally abusing her, he, like when she wanted a new coach, he pulled her into the boxing ring for the two of them to, to box. And he ended up eating her up. All sorts of crazy stuff like that. But then. She reconnects with Sherry Lusk. This is the woman that she had the relationship with in high school. And she tells him she's going out there to visit her. And he's furious. And basically, he's like, if you leave me, I'll kill you. And I remember she said to him, do what you got to do.
1: Yeah, she did.
0: She was kind of like, gave zero fucks at this point.
1: I think at some point for a lot of women in relationships like that, there comes a point where you might as well kill me because I'm not living the way I'm living. You know, this is not a real life.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I I watched a documentary yesterday called Pray Away and it's it's about the ex-gay movement. The oh Germans God. Trying to convert people. And I've never heard it put this way before. One of the guys that was a leader in the group that fell from grace because he yeah. decided he wasn't going to pretend anymore. He said to his wife, He had reached a point where he wanted to love a man and be loved by a man. And if that wasn't possible, he'd rather be dead. So, you know, when we talk about LGBTQ people committing suicide, a lot of the times that is the thing we're not understanding. And like for straight people who really have no tendency towards They're not bisexual at all. They can't imagine having sex with somebody of the same gender. Imagine if you were told you cannot have sex with the opposite sex. You have to be in a relationship with someone of the same sex and engage in a sexual act that you don't find pleasurable. Yep.
1: And you have to hide who you are from everyone all the time. You have to hide the very core of who you are all the time yeah and the risk for a lot of people in religions the risk is steep like excommunication, or your family doesn't speak to you anymore right if you want to be in a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex imagine that's who you're attracted to and your family's like if you do that we'll disown you
0: right yeah i mean that's crazy that's it's equivalent to people that are being forced into marriages yep and so people just reach a level of despair where I think Christie's behavior was somebody that was like maybe a little bit suicidal. Yep. Um, so she and Sherry get back together. They rekindle their relationship. And Jim is like, I'm going to release the photos of you with the dildo. I'm going to tell everyone you're a lesbian. And he actually starts doing that stuff. He
1: tells her friends, her family, her parents. Yeah. And her mother is a piece of work. And I don't care how ignorant West Virginia, uneducated you are. She was trying to get her daughter to go back to this abuser. She took his side. And that was part of what made Christy stay with him as long as she did.
0: Yeah. Because she, she tried to talk to
1: her day parents day. about it and they weren't supporting her.
0: And, and that's another thing in these relationships is the isolation. Whether it's a man abusing a woman or a woman abusing a man, because I've seen it the other way. Absolutely. One of the telltale signs is, is isolation. They isolation. literally jim even said he had no male friends and she had no female friends they only had each other
1: he said that in an interview like he was bragging about it yeah yeah like it's a good thing she doesn't go out with friends and i don't go out with friends either and we we just spend all of our time together and i looked at curtis and i go the fuck that's happy no fucking way right. no fucking way is that happy or healthy
0: right so she agrees to come home because i think she's worried about sherry's safety and She's worried about her parents and she's just worried about what this is doing to her reputation. And maybe there's a part of her that's like, I'm never going to get away. So I'm just going to, I'm resigned to this. So she goes back and she hasn't been home that long when he comes in the room while she's laying in bed and just starts stabbing her. The two of them fight for quite a period of time. She gets a couple of licks in on him. And then after he completely subdues her by stabbing her multiple times, she's laying a pool of her own blood, he gets her gun and comes over and points it at her and she's like, you don't have the balls or whatever, and he shoots her in the chest. And I don't know how many times she was stabbed, but she was stabbed quite a few times. And she laid there in her own blood and she was like, I'm going to die. And then she heard the shower come on. And she realized that he went into the shower to clean off the blood, and she realized her opportunity, and she pulled the strength and the will together to get up from the ground and run out the door, and she flagged down a good Samaritan who took her to the hospital, and she ended up surviving, which is absolutely wow. amazing. Yeah, yeah. This is the Bloody Elbow article on november 23rd 2010 jim martin entered her bedroom armed with a knife and a gun after multiple stab wounds and a gunshot to the chest christy lay on the floor pretending to be dead and jim went to the shower while he was washing away her blood christy left the house and sought help from a neighbor In interviews christy said i would love to see the look on his face when he got out of the shower and came back to the room and i was gone (laughs) Imagine that oh shit moment for that <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> a bullet was lodged three oh. from her heart, her lung punctured, her leg cut to the bone, and she had stab wounds in her chest. But when the attempted murder went to trial, Jim Martin pleaded oh. self defense. Self defense. You know, Your and it,
1: Honor, I'm married to a boxer come on she beat me up all the time right Right, and he's
0: like a 60 something year old dude at this time Uh 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 uh-huh 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 the prosecutor on the case deborah barra told 48 hours i think it's a remarkable story because you have a world famous champion boxer and she could still be in a domestic violence relationship because it isn't about physical strength it's about mental abuse so She testified against him and he ended up going to jail. I think he'll probably be in jail for the rest of his life. He's a pretty old guy too. He was defiant to the end. He never admitted to anything. He claimed that she attacked him, which again, (laughs) if it was self-defense, it was certainly excessive use of self-defense. He was, yeah, he is
1: still defiant. He actually seems proud of what he did to her. He seems proud of it. Like he was his tone and his entire demeanor is well, I'd done everything I could in the marriage. She was gonna leave me. So what else was I supposed to do? And Christy explained in her testimony and in on the documentary that prior to him coming in the room and stabbing her, she heard him sharpening that knife. Mm
0: -hmm. This was not
1: self-defense. This was not, she fought, she had a gun, I had to get a knife he was sharpening that knife he planned it because she was gonna leave him
0: yeah yeah so anyway since then she's come out of the closet and she's actually married to that woman lisa that she beat in that one match it's kind of a cute story
1: and i know that's
0: like that
1: love story is might be (laughs) all the love stories anybody's ever heard of
0: but you know christy was was saying in an interview she still is in therapy over all this and she asked her therapist when am i ever gonna get past this and her therapist was like maybe never
1: yeah i don't like that messaging though <laughs> <laughs> kind of went a little bit more Wait, positive it's her, ther- her therapist
0: the uh, candy candy ah, from the- candy Montgomery Isn't she a therapist in that area?
1: (laughs) You'll only get over it if you ax murder somebody. So
0: there's a Huffington Post, and this kind of ties into what you were saying earlier, Becky. There's a Huffington Post article that says, from 2005 to 2010, this attorney represented hundreds of victims of domestic violence in different court cases. And despite the myths surrounding domestic violence, well-educated, highly accomplished professionals are just as susceptible to abuse as anyone else. Domestic violence is not a socioeconomic issue. It has no regard for age, race, ethnicity, money, profession, or level of education. It also affects men and non-binary individuals, though her experience is that it has been mostly women abused by men. It is
1: mostly women abused by men, yes.
0: Young women raised with a positive self-image and self-esteem this article says, are less likely to develop eating disorders, suffer from depression and self harm, but confident and strong willed women are still vulnerable to male violence and aggression. So the article is really great. It just goes on to explain the thing that you were saying about insecure men and why they choose strong, competent women as their victims. And there's another article in the Insider that says the same thing but slightly disagrees so I thought this would be an interesting thing to throw out okay it says psychological abusers don't go for the weak they choose strong people because they like a challenge which is what you were saying
1: uh, I don't know that I was that's not what I was saying it wasn't okay no I wasn't saying they look around for it because they want a challenge I'm saying when it comes together it is a poisonous cocktail I got because abusers will also choose women who are not strong and who are not strong willed and are not confident and powerful. Right. But when they do, they got to control them. They got to bring them down. Right. They got to tear them down.
0: And the article kind of goes into that as one of the scenarios. Obviously, not everyone that's targeted by an abuser is a strong, competent person. There's degrees of everything. I think the point that I'm just making is you never know. And confidence or outward strength or power in being good at something, being smart, none of those things protect you from being a victim of domestic violence. Right. And it might be a little bit harder for people who are in these strengths that people perceive as strong to admit or come forward with it. Yeah.
1: Oh, I definitely think so. I think there's a level of shame to it um we've been saying domestic violence this episode but it's actually not called that anymore okay it's called it's called intimate partner violence ipv um it kind of gives it more of a defined by the relationship rather than a home Uh, you know what i mean so anybody who's in a relationship can end up in an intimate partner violence situation ipv and it was a fundraiser for an ipv organization that i went to and the woman who was speaking i I wish i could remember her name—but I wasn't planning on talking about this, but she was highly educated. MIT, or it was not MIT, it was um, Warden or Harvard. Like she, she and her husband both were highly educated with their, with their advanced degrees from Ivy League schools. And he abused her even before they got married. And she described the whole thing about how it happened and what she told herself and how she thought she was strong enough to overcome it and was so shamed, so shamed by it that she wasn't going to come forward. To tell anyone. And one of the things that she was explaining that was so interesting was the mental gymnastics that she would do, that a lot of women do, to tell themselves about how they'll give themselves a reason to stay. Mm -hmm. And here's one of her examples. She said, when he first said something horrible to me or called me a name, I told him, if he ever did that again, I would leave him. Well, the next time he didn't do that, he shoved me. And I told him next time, if he shoved me again, I would leave him. And so I always told him and told myself that if he does this one more time, it's over. Well, he would always pick a different way to abuse her. And so if you punch me again, and he never punched her again, but he would throw things at her. You see what I mean? So she would always come up with this intellectual way to say to herself, well, he's not doing the thing I told him not to do again. Because we, as not just women as humans, but we as women in particular, have an ability to overlook things that are causing us harm because it's too much dissonance. You know, there's a lot of um, where we do fear for our safety. Um, but I will tell you this, this is my mantra because I talked for many years, anything to do with relationships and interpersonal communication for years. And one of the common themes of women who are in and men. Okay. I'm just, but I'm going to talk about women because we're talking about Christy. One of the common things for women in those kinds of abusive relationships and abusive marriages is they're scared that if they leave, he will kill her. Mm -hmm. And first of all, if you stay, he'll kill you. But the number one thing I want to tell women out there, there are resources out there, domestic violence, hotlines, websites. There are people to protect you. And you never, ever, ever stay in a relationship because you're scared of what will happen if you leave. You leave because you're scared of what will happen if you stay. And whatever plan you need to make to get out, just know that you're in a lot more danger staying than you are if you leave. And I'm not saying leave right now. I'm saying make a plan to keep yourself safe to get out. Mm -hmm. Because maybe if you leave now, you haven't made a plan, you don't know, but make the plan and start making the plan now. Okay.
0: I completely agree. And I also think that in the defense of, of a lot of people who feel judged, It's something you said about cults that really stuck with me because I thought it was brilliant. It's like the reason why people stay in abusive cults is because it's not all bad all the time. Exactly. And it's the same thing with these relationships. Exactly the same thing with relationships. So in the HuffPost article, they give an example. According to the school of thought, insecure traits can be reduced to a predictable profile for a woman to identify in the early stages of dating. This is from a book called, Beware If Your Man Does These 15 Things, He's Majorly Insecure. Okay. So this is like tips for women dating that how to avoid getting in an abusive. Red problem. flags, okay. However, insecure men typically don't reveal their insecurities on the first date. As we all know, first impressions rarely represent one's true nature. A former client, of this attorney named Maria said, she was a modern woman in every sense of the word. She was strong-willed, independent-minded, and on track to become partner at her accounting firm. After years of fleeting romance and dating disasters, Maria finally met the man of her dreams. Greg was a respected young surgeon with a gregarious nature. And most importantly, he had always treated Maria with respect and tenderness. Until the morning after their storybook wedding, on their Bora Bora honeymoon, when Greg suddenly instructed Maria to list her entire sexual history in detail and then commanded her to never speak of those men again. If this had happened on the first date, Maria would have laughed Greg's face off. Yet under the circumstances, she was paralyzed with fear. I think that, that these things happen slowly over time.
1: They do. Because the thing is, if you go with this, this is an exaggeration, but if you are at a restaurant on your first date with someone, and they punch you in the face. You'd be like, I'm "Not dating you anymore, right, right? Right, right?" So they don't lead with that. They no. lead with showing you all of their, you know, pretty shiny things that they have mm-hmm. on the surface. They pull out your chair or whatever the fuck, and you're charmed. And then they have all these other things that start showing right. up, and then, and then they do it little by little by little by little, and it'll show up in ways like they'll insult you and then walk it back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I didn't say that. I didn't mean that. They'll say something sarcastic. And then you're crazy because you think they really meant it, even though you know they really did mean it. And they start fucking with your head. And so the analogy you made about uh, towards what I was saying about cults, that's that's really astute because people stay in terrible relationships because it's not all terrible. And one of the other things that we will do is we will remind ourselves of the good times. Mm-hmm. We'll think about the time that, you know, this big romantic gesture will come around or something. And that will remind us of the times that he was so sweet. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, and I just read this thing and I wish I'd saved it. Um, Big romantic gestures are a manipulation. If you are on the receiving end of an out of nowhere, big romantic gesture, you need to start looking around for what he's done wrong or what he's about to do or who he's sleeping with. And I had students push back on that. Well, I like to be romantic. I'm not talking about being romantic. I'm talking about big romantic gestures giant ones you know the stupid ones you only see in movies you know first anniversary whatever you know different but that oh big romantic gestures are almost always a manipulation and by almost always i mean always so if you're out there being a big romantic gesture person take a look at yourself look inward you need to knock that shit off yeah
0: i just remember this for some reason there was this guy i dated in high school And we were in a fight about something. And I think I had said something to him, like, you never do anything nice for me. You've never gotten me flowers, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he pulled over to an HEV and went inside and bought me flowers. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think. I think that I took the flowers from him and like rolled the window down and stuck them out the end of the window and chopped the ends off.
1: (laughs) Sounds like a very healthy relationship. It was a super healthy
0: relationship. (laughs) I mean, older Marie is like, why was I even still in the car with him having a conversation? Right. I mean,
1: yeah, pretty ridiculous. Before I stop talking, because I know I'm yammering on and on about this, I want to tell everyone out there, everyone, men, women, everyone, read The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. And there are lists of red flags and discussions about how to incorporate that into your own understanding and your own subconsciousness so that if it shows up, you recognize it. Not that you look around for it, but so that if it shows up, you recognize it. If a guy, for instance, accelerates the pace of a relationship very, very quickly, as in proposes marriage or declares his love for you on your second date, chances are he's either an abuser or he's already married or he's already in a relationship. Yeah, Um, That's the number one predictor is accelerated pace of the relationship. Number one predictor of abuse. And people love to push back on that too. Well, my parents fell in love on date. I get that happens. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when one person pushes it on the other. When you're thinking it's a second date to go to the movies and this person's declaring their love for you, Mm, 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 you need to look over your shoulder
0: yeah i agree things that are too good to be true are usually too good to be true so Mm -hmm. back to this business insider article there was one other thing i wanted to mention that i thought was interesting Mm -hmm. you know you mentioned that a lot of these guys are insecure well this is where the article kind of in some circumstances also disagrees there's a psychologist that says One of the real misconceptions is that psychological abusers are insecure. He says they're really not. They have huge sense of entitlement. So they they sense of picking somebody who's strong, who they can deconstruct, gives them power. Not because they feel insecure, because they feel superior to other people. It feeds what they really believe about themselves.
1: Okay. I'm going to disagree with that and
0: tell you why I'm right. Okay.
1: People who have a grandiose vision of how powerful they are are insecure. This person is saying they're not the same thing. I'm saying it is the same thing. So people who, uh, like Donald Trump, who all they want to do is talk about how great they are, they do that because they know they're a piece of shit. They know deep, 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 deep down inside they know it. They do know you think?
0: It. Uh, do you think sociopaths realize that they're bad? Are you thinking about somebody in particular? Well, no, the, I think that this article was trying to say that some of these abusers are like narcissistic personality or sociopath. Okay. Well,
1: that's different. That's, that's, we're talking about different psychological things because that's a personality disorder, right? Narcissistic borderline sociopathy, psychopathy are different from just somebody who's living their life and hates themselves. Um,
0: So So if he's talking
1: about sociopathic abusers, that's different from what I'm talking about. So when I, when I said what I said about insecurity, I was describing this dipshit Jim, the monster Jim, right? Jim, 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 Christy's ex. He's, he's so deeply insecure. I don't think we can understand the self-loathing that he has, which makes him live his life at the surface level of being proud of him bringing this woman down and
0: and, and feeling that way because
1: gotcha. he has actual emotions about it
0: he actually does you're right and and christy was also very insecure as well so it was kind of a toxic it's an it's an ugly cocktail
1: it's a really ugly cocktail and, I, and of course this is never to say that she in some way was a part of the abuse like she earned it or anything but it's to say that she maybe. Could have married somebody else, maybe a, maybe a man, I don't know, who wasn't him and been happy. Um, I don't know that he was going to murder anyone when he married or tried to, but he ended up choosing someone that brought out the worst in him, right. not through any fault of her own, but through his own, his own psychosis
0: or his own uh, bad traits. Right. I certainly think there's this great space in between blaming a victim and looking at choices and decisions that people have made and, and go, okay, if this had been done a little differently, it might've turned out differently. And I don't think that's victim blaming.
1: It's not victim blaming. And in fact, we don't, we have to do it. Shouldn't we do it? We have to reflect on behaviors and choices and red flags and Uh warning signs in order to learn to do better, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, Any person that is a victim of domestic violence or an abuser that wants to try and stop, um, they have to go into therapy and evaluate their choices. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Because the thing is, in order for us to, and this is from Gavin DeBecker, who's a world-renowned expert on violence and the prevention of violence. He says, in order for someone who is abused To recognize that leaving is a choice, you have to understand that staying is also a choice. Right. Otherwise, leaving is not a choice. So we got to reframe it from she's stuck there and she has no choice to leave. Otherwise, she is stuck there and has no choice to leave when that's not real. What's real is she has a choice. It's just a question of how does she get out of it or how does he get out of it? How do they go?
0: Well, and and this can expand because, you know, we were talking about gay people that feel trapped and. in like heterosexual world when it just doesn't fit for them. But I think there's also heterosexual people that feel trapped in marriages or relationships and they feel like, and maybe there's not even abuse. They just feel like, what have I done? This is just, I can't, I don't love this person. I don't want to- Yeah, there's
1: family pressure to stay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. or religious pressure. Religious pressure, oh yeah.
0: It's It's, you would think in this day and age that it's not a big deal, but it is. Basically- the The church that I grew up in is only for people who have good relationships. <laughs> or people who are in bad relationships and are willing to keep it to themselves. That's it.
1: Because they don't mm.
0: accept divorced people at all. They don't accept people who are divorced and remarried. You'll get shunned if you commit adultery or have an affair. You, you can't admit to being gay. So if you happen to be one of those people that has a good marriage you're in. Or if you're somebody that's like, well, yeah, I'm being abused and my marriage is terrible, but I'm going to stick with it. Then you're in. That's it.
1: That's a weird line for me is people who are divorced are not welcome here because literally sometimes you didn't have a choice. The person just left you. I'm not talking about whether or not you wanted the divorce or not. This person bails on you and, and divorces you. And wasn't your fault. What if you still want to belong to this religion and that person leaving you just took away that choice for you. It does not make sense. It does not make sense to me.
0: I know a recent example of someone who her and her husband were not allowed to be members of the church because she got a divorce that wasn't sanctioned by the church. She got divorced because she was being physically abused by her husband. And, and the church was like, fuck that you're staying. That's right. The church would only recognize a divorce that was a product of adultery. So if your spouse cheated on you, then they would allow you to remarry. Otherwise you're permanently in a state of adultery by remarrying. So you can't be a member of the church. Uh, mm -mm. But the sad thing is here, you've got these two people that are actually trying Mm -hmm. to do something good. They're trying to, to change their lives and they're going to church as a way to improve their lives. And that's the response.
1: I'm not that's saying all churches
0: him. are like no, that. No, I know you're not, I know you're not. Nobody thinks that. But it's very, very common in a lot of conservative churches that you have problems in your marriage, you just suck it up and continue on. And I think people in those marriages feel exactly like that gay man from the documentary who said he couldn't continue Yes. that way.
1: Yes, yes. So, um, we're supposed to be a comedy show. (laughs) This has
0: been hilarious.
1: (laughs) You're welcome for all
0: of the comedy that you've had for the last hour of your life. Oh my goodness. You can cut it. I'm sure there's a few funny things in this episode. (laughs) Are you? Are you? (laughs) No, I'm not confident, actually. I'm, I'm not confident at all. We um, talk about, uh, women's tears being stinky to men (laughs) just to lighten it up.
1: (laughs) Oh, you want to tell us about that? No, I'll say that. Oh, okay. Well, Marie's promising for months and months to get this research that she's <laughs> made up in her head. Maybe it was an onion article. I don't know. Well, uh, I supposedly. Just thought,
0: like, if I did make that up, what a genius I would be in my downtime when It'd I'm. Be so a
1: good. great onion article if it's if you <laughs> did make it up. It'd be great. I, I heard
0: it on NPR.
1: Oh, you lib! <laughs> you MacBook using black framed eyeglass wearing all
0: right so coming soon this is a reason if if you've been listening to this and you're like what the fuck i thought i was listening to a crime comedy show and you guys sound like a bunch of sad old ladies we always sound
1: like sad old ladies it's part of our bit
0: but usually we're funny
1: or ladies. i don't know maybe we were funny and i just (laughs) just have no idea i have to listen to this episode
0: well you don't have time to record another one, so if this isn't funny, you're just going to have to give a warning at the beginning. If <laughs> if you're listening to this for funny stuff, skip the from this marker to this marker, which will be most. Or I'll of- just like go
1: back to our logo and cross out comedy, <laughs> just the <put laughs> true crime.
0: Right. Um, well, anyway, I again I was just struck by the story because I really loved seeing her kick ass and thought she was just such a amazing athlete and then to find her being a victim of domestic violence was an interesting dichotomy to me and I thought it might be something interesting to our listeners and uh, the untold series I know at one point we want to talk about some other episodes of it but it's a really great series I recommend watching I recommend watching this episode even though it seems like I may have spoiled the whole episode for you there is footage in there and there's I mean the guy was recording her like a psychopath like nothing beats actually seeing and there didn't need to be any reenactments because everything was caught on video right right yeah anyway um you have been listening to now fear this with becky and marie the sometimes funny podcast (laughs) (laughs) occasionally occasionally you and i make each other laugh i don't know if we
1: make anybody else laugh
0: i mean we'll say this episode was at times lightly humorous (laughs) 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 wow are you okay (laughs) that's what happens when margarita goes down the wrong pipe (laughs) (laughs)